This last month, the dam finally broke on the coronavirus. The world was flooded with frightening news. The United States government declared a national emergency. The World Health Organization declared the coronavirus an official global pandemic. And all the dominoes started falling over. Concerts, conventions, sporting events, schools, churches, all announced that they were canceling and shutting down during this crisis. Every media report just added fuel to the fire, fanned the flames of fear until it became a global wildfire. And by the end of the month, there were examples of panic everywhere, including buying at the grocery stores, as people feared that this might last a long time. So I want you to know, as your pastor, I understand some of the reasons for some of this anxiousness. I think this is our 33rd national crisis or disaster in the past 40 years. Well, in this message, I want to simply remind you of some things that can calm your worries, reduce your anxiety, and relieve your fears. Now, as I watched TV on all this past month, the scenes and long lines of frantic people stocking up their grocery stores, afraid that they won't have enough, that they would run out, they would be in want. I'm reminded of the thought of Psalm 23 as our psalm for this evening. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. In other words, God says, I'll take care of your needs if you just trust me. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And then in verse 4, it says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Right now, we're going through the valley of the shadow of death. This coronavirus is deadly for some people. We don't know, but some say 1%, some say 2%, gotten it and died. Others have just had mild reactions to it. But I decided I could really very easily entitle this message, Walking through Without Fear Through the Valley of Virus. Because see, many people have also died. 2 Corinthians 1, verse 7, Paul talking about how he handles unexpected problems. So he says, Our hope for you is firm, because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, you also share in God's comfort. Now, if I could have circled just three phrases in that verse, it would be our hope, and is firm, and because we know. Our hope is firm because we know, and that's the point of that verse. What we know is what gets us through. What we know is what leads us through a virus. What we know gives us hope, gives us through whatever kind of crisis we're in. So I want to remind you of some of the things that you already know, but you need to remember them. You need to remember them because they are the ones that will give you confidence that you need, the courage that you need, the calmness that you need. The Bible places a big emphasis on getting to facts, because if you ever make any major decisions or take any actions, you need to have the facts. So I want to give you some of those tonight. I want you to remember, number one, in your notes, remember not everything I hear is true. Now that will calm you down quite a bit. Remember, not everything I hear is true. 
Proverbs 14, verse 15 says this, the gullible believe everything they're told, but the prudent sift and weights every word. See, not everybody who speaks on the internet, for example, on social media, or on TV, know what they're talking about. Not everybody who's talking about the crisis is worth listening to. So I'm telling you to be selective. Realize not everybody knows what they're talking about. Many people in this crisis, and particularly in the days as they're coming ahead, will have their own agendas for this crisis. There will be some people, in fact, probably many people, who try to use this crisis for their own political advantages on either side. You know what they're using it for political advantage when they're using conspiracy theories and when they spend a lot of time blaming others. See, blaming is worthless. It doesn't help. It doesn't solve anything. So when they use fault-finding, they will have these theories and they'll be trying to score political points. Just please ignore them. Then there are other people who try to use the crisis for financial advantage, and they will price gouge. I heard on TV a bottle of Clorox selling for $100. That's price gouging. And there will be people who will try to take advantage of other people, particularly the elderly, with fake remedies. So I'm warning you not to fall for any of those solutions online. Ignore them all. Because if there's a solution, if there's a virus cure, a disinfectant, something that people need to know about, the government will help. See, the Bible says in Proverbs 13, verse 16, the prudent man always acts out of knowledge. In other words, not out of fears, not out of just your feelings, but out of knowledge. In the Bible, it repeatedly says, especially in a crisis, that you should always base your decision, always base your actions on the facts. The Bible has a lot to say about the facts. Not basing your decision on fake, not basing your decision on fallacies, on false statistics and fads, but not on wise, false reports either. Because feelings are highly unreliable. Fears never really help. So let me show you what God has to say about this. Look at Proverbs 18, verse 13. What a shame. Yes, it's folly to decide before knowing the facts. So you get the facts on the corona, coronavirus. Don't listen to somebody who, or everybody who's out there. Also in Proverbs 18, verse 2, a foolish person doesn't care about the facts. All he wants is what? Is the yell. And they're all over social media today. All they want to do is yell. The Bible says they are foolish. Look at Proverbs 14, verse 8. The wise man looks ahead. The foolish person attempts to fool himself and won't face the facts. And look at Proverbs 23, verse 23. You get the facts at any price and hold on tightly to good sense. So what the Bible is saying is that as people who trust God, people who are followers and disciples of Jesus, we should be people of facts. Here's the first thing. Remember then, not everything you hear is true. Then number two in your notes, remember not everyone is at equal risk in this pandemic. Remember not everyone is at equal risk. The facts are that very clear 
with the history of this particular coronavirus, the most vulnerable people are those who are over 60 years of age. It's not the children. It's those who are over 60 years of age and with some kind of pre-existing condition, the weakness of their weakness, that weakens their immunity. So if you're over 60, you have diabetes, or you have heart disease, or cancer, or respiratory problems. These are the people who are, need the most care. If you're in that category, then our church wants to really help you. We want to help you, protect you. We want to ensure that you get the best protection, again, we can give. Actually, I'm, I'm an example of that most vulnerable group. I'm over 60, and I have a tendency to have heart and breathing problems. The number three in your notes. Remember, this will pass. It didn't come to stay. It came to pass. It's not going to last. We're going to go through this together as a church family. You're not going to be alone. We're going to go through this, and it's, going to be, it's not going to last. You need to trust God in this so that you're not embarrassed on the backside. Do the things that doctors tell you to do. Do the common sense things, but realize... It's not going to last. Every virus is a virus bell curve. They try to knock the bell curve down through isolation, quarantining, and things like that. The Bible says it like this. Look at 1 Peter 4, verse 12. Dear friends, don't be surprised or shocked when you go through painful trials, fiery tests in life. See, the Bible says in the world you were going to have for, for tribulation. So don't be surprised at that. Don't be shocked. And by the way, why is there? Why is there illnesses on this planet Earth? Well, since evil and sin enter the world, nothing works perfectly here. Everything on this planet is broken. The weather is broken. The economy is broken. Your plans are broken. Nothing works perfectly in your life. Your body is broken. It doesn't work perfectly. Sin broke everything on Earth. When we rebel against God, we don't eat the way God tells us to eat. We don't act the way God tells us to act. We don't have the emotions that God tells us we should have or the ones that we should avoid, like guilt and bitterness and worry and blame and jealousy. If we did it God's way, there would be a whole lot less problems here. So look at what the Bible says in Isaiah 24. The earth suffers from the sins of its people. Looking at this verse, the earth suffers for the sins of the people, for they have twisted the instructions of God, violated his laws, broke his covenant. So therefore the earth has broken down and utterly collapsed. Everything is lost, abandoned, confused. Even nature is groaning, Apostle Paul said. We know this. We know that the environment is groaning. Well, why did God allow sin into the world then? Because God allows us a free choice. That's why. God could eliminate all of the sin in this earth, all the evil on this earth, very simply. He just get rid of us people. The plants, see, they're not causing evil. The animals aren't causing evil. We're the ones that cause evil. We're the ones that are selfish and self-centered and cause problems in society, in environments, everywhere else. So that's why we actually pray in the Lord's Prayer. We say it. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Why? Because this is not heaven. In heaven, it's a perfect place 
with no sorrow, no sickness, no sadness. But all of those things are found here on this earth. Why? Because this is not heaven. We shouldn't expect heaven on earth. One day there will be, and we'll be we'll, but it's not here now. Look at what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. For our temporary, listen to it, it's not going to last. Our temporary, momentary troubles will not last. But they are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we focus not on what is seen, the problem is here around us, but on what is unseen. Because what is seen is temporary, it's not going to last. But what is unseen, that is eternal. The number four in your notes. Remember the focus on what is unchanging. Remember in the days ahead, during this crisis, your focus is not on what's changing around you, but on what is unchanging. We know that there are going to be a lot of changes in the days ahead. Do you remember all the changes that happened after Katrina? And do you remember all the changes that happened after 9-11? There will be changes that happen in the world. The key to stability is the focus on unchangeable truths when everything else around you is up in the air. Focus on what never changes in the days ahead. That will give you stability. Don't focus on what's changing because we don't know where it's going to end up at. But you say, what are those unchangeable truths that I should focus on? Well, how about listening to a couple of them in your notes? God sees everything I'm going through. Focus on that. That's unchanging. God cares about everything that I'm going through. That's unchangeable. He does. God sees and God cares. And then God has the power to change what I'm going through. God has the power to answer my prayers. That's unchangeable. And then next, God also acts out of his goodness to me. That's never going to be changed. No matter what happens, God is always going to act good to me. Then God's plan. God's plan is always better than my plans. I may not see it, but it is better because God is a good God. And next, God will never stop loving me. That's never going to change in your life. Finally, I cannot lose my salvation once I have put my trust in Jesus as my Savior. That's what the Bible says. There are seven things there you need to focus on, things that will never change. God's love for me, God's grace for me, and God's goodness to me. Then number five, remember that no matter what I go through, God will go through it with me. Every stage, every phase, every crisis, no matter what I go through, God is going to go through it with me. God has never been closer to you than he is right now, and he'll never be any further away from you than he is right now. And remember the great promise of Isaiah 43. When you go through the deep waters, I'll be with you. When you pass through the rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through fires, you will not be burned up. It will not consume you. That's what you want to focus on. Maybe a little less listening to the internet. A little bit more listening to God in the days ahead. That will give you confidence. That will give you stability. And that will replace your panic with prayer. Will replace your worry with worship. It will replace your anxieties with adoration. Then number six, remember. Remember this is not the end of the story. It's not the end of the story. Look at 2 Corinthians 4. 
We often suffer, Paul says, but we never are completely crushed. And even when we don't know what to do, we never give up. In times of trouble, God is with me. And when we're knocked down, we get up again because we know. There's that phrase again, because we know God raised the Lord Jesus back to life. That's the Easter message. And just as he raised Jesus, he will also raise us back to life and will bring us into his presence together. So this is not the end of the story. Remember, it's not the end. One day, all of our pain, all of our sickness, and all of our sorrow, all of the stress that we have, all of our grief, we're going to end. Just look at what John says in Revelation chapter 21. Then God will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death, there will be no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain. For the old order of things will pass away. See, this is not the end of the story. So don't forget that. There's a whole lot more that I could give you. But let me just give you one more. I want you to remember this in the days ahead. Because we don't know what the future holds, but we do know who holds the future. So number seven in your notes. Remember that God wants to use you and me to help others. Yeah, God wants to use you and me to help others. God doesn't want to just take you through this crisis. God doesn't just want to protect you through this crisis. God wants to use you through this crisis. That's the difference between how believers and how other people handle pain. Believers, we see an open door. Every need in our world is an open door. Every pain, every hurt, every habit and hang-up is an open door to find that need and to fill it, to find that hurt and heal it. See, historically, Christians have always moved into the pain when everybody else is moving out. Thousands of years ago, there was a black plague, the bubonic plague. It ran through the entire Roman Empire. Nobody knew what caused it. They certainly didn't know about the viruses. They didn't know about bacteria. They didn't know about infections. They didn't have any idea about the scientific tools that we have today. But millions of people were dying in the big cities. It was called the Black Plague. All the people began to flee the cities, thinking maybe the cities were causing the plague. What did the Christians do? Look at John 13, verse 35. Your love for each other will show to the world that you really are my disciples. See, actually, the, the, the Christians moved into the cities to take care of the sick. That's how the Roman Empire was converted. They looked to them and they said, see, see how they love one another. And it is in that environment that we, the church, we invented the hospitals. Hospitals one wasn't invented by government. It was invented by the church because Jesus gave us a preaching, teaching, and a healing faith. He cares enough about the mind, the body, and the soul. So just as Christians moved into the worst bubonic black plague that was annihilating the Roman Empire, with none of the advantages that we have today, with none of the scientific knowledge that we have today, they risked their lives for the sake of the gospel. And God will call us not to be foolish, certainly not to be rash, but to respond, to respond in love, to care for people, to care for the most vulnerable. Now we don't know all that's going to happen in the weeks ahead, but we're, fr but we're not frightened by it either. 
We know the end of the story. We read the last chapter of the book. We know that God is in control. We know that God is not surprised by this, because God is bigger. Romans 8, verse 28 is still true. All things work together for good to those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. See, not everything is working together for good for everyone, but is working together for good to those who give God the pieces of their life. So let's do that just right now in prayer. We bow our heads in prayer. Lord, we know that in a world that we have become more and more self-centered and so self-focused that you have allowed an experience that will force us to depend on one another, force us to love each other, force us to serve and to help each other. So may your church lead by example. May we care for the unfortunate. May we protect the vulnerable. May we serve those who need it most. I pray that as a result of all this, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen.